Good morning, afternoon, evening, and or night. I'm Ryan. I'm your good, good pal, Daniel. And we are your small town nerds. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Small Town Nerds Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things nerdy. Daniel, how are you doing today? I mean, hey, it's the same as every time we record. I'm in need of a nap, but other than that, I'm doing pretty all right. How about yourself, champ? I am doing fabulous. It has been a very strange day today, a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but so far, it's been all right. Okay, you didn't say anything to me before we recorded about today being strange. What's going on? Well, so... I have a I had a Spanish oral exam today, so I got to sleep in, which was good, but I had the exam, which was bad. I did well on the exam, which was good. I got a parking ticket, which was bad. Tori's probably going to get the parking ticket refuted, which is good, but yeah, that's probably, that's, that kind of sums up my day so far. But you have to spend time with me, which is bad. There we go. Of course, there we go. It's but just... I get to record, which is good. Yeah, well, we can't end it on a high note, Ryan. Everyone needs to feel bad we? for you. Everyone, well, okay. everyone needs to pity you. That's how we get. But I have to feelings. record and edit later, which is bad. There we go. Perfect. There we go. Well, hey, so we've got, that's my day so far. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, so why don't we? Uh, yes, yeah, so we got to let's kick into it. Yeah, let's jump in. So, uh, some major news as far as the MCU goes. Looking at uh, looking at a bit of a bit of a shakeup. Looks like uh, some a of the little bit of a shakeup. Yeah, looks like they're going to be slowing down the releases. Going to be going for quality over quantity, as far as well. That, that's what I saw at least. Which, thank God, Phase Four yes. was a little bit of a mess. There were some gems in there. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of the yeah. projects we I think we talked about last week or the week before. But a lot of them were uh, they were kind of stinkers. I do think that this kind of change in format comes with the change of CEO. Um, bringing back Bob Iger and kicking out Bob Chapek, who was, I believe, kind of the person who was pushing Marvel to make as many projects as as they did. I think he was kind of the driving force behind the mentality that they have to have a a Marvel show every couple months in order to boost Disney Plus, which ended up having a negative effect because Disney Plus did not do as well as they thought. And I think that part of the reason is because the the quality of the shows was just not what people were expecting. And I think bringing back Bob Iger, who in the past was the one who kind of obtained Marvel for Disney and formulated and helped with Kevin Feige to create the Infinity Saga, I think bringing him back kind of pushes Marvel into a better situation going forward because they can focus on quality over quantity, which is the smarter choice. And along the note of what you said about Phase 4, I was thinking about this the other night. And I was thinking that if you took like the top, so I'm going to say top nine, and the reasoning behind that is because we had, I think, 11 projects released in phase three over the course of, was it four years? 16, 17, 18, 19, yeah, I think four years, about 11 projects over four years, so that's about three per year, and phase four stretched over three years, so if it's three projects each year, you take the top nine projects of phase four, phase four really isn't that bad. If you if you cut out the stinkers, phase four is a decent enough phase, in my opinion. Yeah, but 
then I'd have to take the time and actually consider which ones were stinkers and which ones were good. It's I don't want to put well, that much Well, here, in. let me let me let me think. Uh for movies, you would have Shang-Chi, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Spider-Man No Way Home, and let's say Multiverse of, Oh, oh, we're talking about the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can take Multiverse of Madness. I w- I would say that's probably another one of the better movies of phase four. So you have those four movies and then you have Loki, WandaVision, uh, let's say Moon Knight, Hawkeye and Miss Marvel, right? Don't include the shorts and the specials. Cause those would happen one way or another. You take those nine major projects. I don't think phase four is really that bad. I think that's a pretty solid phase. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we can call it. But if you you add in the stinkers of like Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, She Hulk, Eternals, Black Panther, or Black Widow, then the opinion of Phase Four really gets muddled down. But I think if you take the quality of Phase Four, at least those certain projects, it's not that bad. It it was the quantity that really ruined Phase Four, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. I'll give you that. So cool. Uh, well, anyways, I think that's all we really had to say about uh, the MCU shakeup. Uh, something that's not on the list, Ryan. I'm going rogue for a second here. Uh, today, oh boy, today marks the release of Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix. I have not yet watched Ooh. it because I forgot that it came out today. But as soon so as we I. finish recording, I'm gonna go check that out. And uh, I think I'm gonna watch it as well, actually. Yeah, so maybe we'll talk about that in the next one because that movie just looks so so very heartfelt it it has so much charm put into it yeah Mm -hmm. uh but i mean it's a guillermo del toro flick yeah he's uh it's gonna have some kind of emotional anchor to it he's pretty good at basically everything he does he's a he's a great guy don't know him personally neither do i if you're listening guillermo can i call you guillermo or do i call you mr del toro call him g how's it going g gdt yeah also he was in death stranding that was a video game was like, he? Yeah, that came out a little while he ago. He was in he was in the video game? Yeah. Like he acted in it or like yes. a character looked like him. He I'm fairly certain he did the mocap and everything, voiced the lines for one of the characters in there. I never bothered finishing the game because it was basically just Heck a walking yeah. simulator and I, I wasn't a fan of that. And also the cutscenes were like an hour apiece. I, I didn't want to mess with that. Well, it's still cool that he was in it. Yeah. Anyways, moving on from Marvel, we're at uh, the other large comic book franchise, DC. And, uh, oh boy, things are kind of a mess over there. When isn't it a mess, though, to be fair? Okay, I'll give you that. But it sounds like uh, uh, it's not confirmed or anything. It's more so just a rumor at this point. But Henry Cavill might be out as Superman again. And if that's the case, he, uh, he basically left The Witcher for nothing. Yeah, which, as a Witcher fan... Not all that thrilled about, because I really liked him as as a as a Geralt. I think he he portrayed the character pretty perfectly, at least for live action. And the fact that he stepped away for that showed how much dedication and love he had for Superman, which I can respect. I I love him as a character as well. But if they're already thinking about canceling Man of Steel two, he is still slated. I think rumored to be in Flash as a cameo. And he was obviously in the end credit scene for Black Adam. But if they're already thinking about canceling his his uh, solo movie, then I don't I don't see why they would keep him around. And in which case, Henry Cavill is just 
out of both major franchises. Which, uh, yeah. But hey, on the bright side, if that is the case, you know, it uh, opens him up for him to appear in a Marvel Studios project. So, uh, of course. Here's hoping. We have plenty of heroes that he could take take over. I want him to sh- show up as Captain Britain. I think that would be a great, great role for him. Yeah. Beyond that, just, you know, not it's not all just Superman news. Wonder Woman 3 officially canceled. And I gotta say, I'm not that upset after the disaster that was Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, it wasn't really that good of a movie. Uh, but yeah, Not compared to the first one. <laughs> when they said that it was getting canceled, the director, Patty Jenkins or whatever her name is, uh, sent James Gunn and whoever the other dude is a link to the Wikipedia link uh, entry article, whatever you want to call it, for character arc. And um, no, no, I don't, I don't think that was the thing. Um, yeah. Are they trying to argue that that they need a third movie to complete the Wonder Woman character arc that they did not start? Uh, I, I would guess, yeah, that's probably what they're thinking, but. Yeah, no. Whatever character arc they may have started in the first one, they did not continue through with the second. So, and not not even to mention her appearances in Batman vs Superman and Justice League, throwing a wrench in this character so-called character arc. It it doesn't work that way. Sorry. Yeah. Other th- so uh, also in news of DC, we got two more things. Uh, Jason Momoa might be out as Aquaman. Not necessarily Which because, I am sad about. Yeah, so it's not because he was bad in the role or anything like that. It's more so just that uh, they're looking to revamp everything. And uh, there's a rumor going around he's going to be, stay in DC, but not as Aquaman. Instead, he'll be portraying Lobo, who's like a space bounty hunter or something. I don't know the character Which that well. Which is kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of cool. I, he looks I want to say, Yeah, I want to say he's like a space werewolf bounty hunter. Yeah, I I have I, no idea we, about the we werewolf could be totally part, wrong. but that's what I get. We could be totally wrong. Probably, probably we're are. Probably very wrong. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. As far as DC goes, I have a very surface level knowledge. Yeah, especially in these later years. Maybe back in high school, I would have known, but now I have just stopped following DC with with the mess that they are. I've stopped stopped following and stopped caring. Yeah. The last part for DC news: uh, Black Adam two is extremely unlikely to happen. I mean, considering the first movie, which came out, what was it, two months ago now? Something like that. Hasn't even crossed the $400 million uh, dollar mark worldwide. I don't think a second one is likely. Yeah, and it- For a movie that The Rock has reportedly poured his heart, life, and soul into, for it like, does it, not look good. Yeah, it's been in production for like 10 years. So something obviously went wrong. And for a movie that I was don't know. painfully average... Yeah, it's unfortunate for DC that they're going through this. But I, to be fair, the box office performance of Black Panther isn't that remarkable either. Yeah, we were Black way Panther. Off on our last guess. time I checked was about seven hundred and forty million, which we were guessing somewhere between one point two and one point four million. So we're only billion. off by one point two to one point four billion. Did I say billion? You said or did million. I say million? Well, it's billion with a B. We were only off by about five hundred to seven hundred million dollars. So yeah. So if you just add that and Black Adam together, we're basically there. We're almost there, basically, but we were still off, which is unfortunate. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. But cool. It just it just makes it makes Spider Man No Way Home even more of an outlier, it, because yeah, 
you could you can make the argument that the movies that in at least in Marvel in Phase Four, they did not perform very well because of the pandemic. Then Spider Man happened, and it is like, what is it like the third or fourth highest grossing movie in the MCU? Is it third behind Infinity War and Endgame, or Endgame and Infinity War? I think so. Whatever it is, super successful, and then. Multiverse of Madness was just shy of a billion dollars, which you could argue it probably would have crossed if it was a little bit better. So you can't really complain that much on it. Th- uh, Thor Love and Thunder did not perform very well, but it was not a very good movie, so that's also to be expected. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, though, was a pretty good movie. I would say it's better than both Thor Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness, and yet it performed less than Doctor Strange which is interesting. Yeah. Um, in Spider-Man's defense, though, you know, Spider-Man is arguably the most recognizable character in the world, or at least one of. Yeah, he's he's most likely the most popular superhero right now. And then all of the rumors about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire coming out. Yeah. Uh, and also... They had just everything in there. But... Every, all the cards be, lined let's up. Let's be the fair. The stars aligned. Let's be fair... The Flash movie is going to have a similar situation, so maybe, maybe the Flash movie will just be record breaking. Uh, yeah, but it's also Ezra Miller, so which is a valid point. Anyways, that's all we've got for DC news, at least in the cinema line of things. As far as video games go, there's a new one coming out called Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League. New trailer for that just dropped yesterday, as of our recording. And it's really more so just a uh, clip from in-game, and it looks real good. The animation is beautiful, the characters seem to have good chemistry with each other, and I'm looking forward to it. On a bit more of a somber note, though, this is officially Kevin Conroy's last outing as Batman. Uh, He recorded all of his stuff for it before he passed, and it's going to be a little bit of, uh, it's going to be a little bit painful when it comes to playing through that portion of the game. Anyways. Yeah, you can keep going. I I have no no say on these. I haven't played these games, and I oh. haven't. Okay. I don't really have much knowledge on on the video game sphere, at least the first two that we have. The second two, I may have a little bit of insight. Okay, well, the other bit of news is uh, on Jedi Survivor. Release date for that officially came out, I believe. I'm going off the top of my head because I don't have it pulled up. I want to say it's March 16th. I could be wrong. But if anyone played Jedi Fallen Order, oh boy, that's one of my favorite games. I've probably played the story of it half a dozen times at least, and it was a whole heck of a lot of fun. Super looking forward to the second one. If it hasn't sold out yet, I'm looking at uh, ordering the Collector's Edition. It's like $300, but it comes with a replica Cal Kestis lightsaber. That, of course you are. Yeah, but I also don't need another lightsaber. I've already got two. So When has that ever stopped you? That's That's a good point. That's a very good point. But if I'm going to get it's another, it's not going to stop you now. If I'm going to get another lightsaber, I want it to be from Electrum Sabercrafts. They're 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 real good at what they do. Yeah, but this is this is collector's edition. It's. Mm. I'll get the deluxe. That's only eighty dollars. Or is it ninety? Only eighty dollars. You said it's eighty or ninety. I don't remember. Uh, yep. mm, okay. Okay. Moving on from that. I uh, just want to. It's not news in any way, shape, or form. But I finished playing God of War Ragnarok. The story and. Doggy, it is a masterpiece. If you've got a PlayStation, play it immediately. Ideally, play it on the PS5, but seeing as it's difficult for everyone to get, uh, 
it's not, you know, you, you might not be able to. But if you played the first one, this one is just as good, if not better. It tugs at the heartstrings in the uh, in the end game, and it's it was a lot of fun to play. I was rushing home from work every day so I could play as much as I can before I would go to bed and go back to work. Oh wow, just just wow, such a good game. The other piece of video game oh, news yeah. that we have is Elden Ring, one video game of the year, and that's it. I didn't play it. Yeah, that I haven't played any of these games that we have talked about. I have watched some people play Elden Ring. I have heard a lot of good things about it from close friends of mine. They have all said it's a remarkable game. I know the story and the lore was written by George R.R. R. Martin, who's one of my favorite authors. He's the author for A Song of Ice and Fire. That's the Game of Thrones books. And um, he's a remarkable writer. I'm sure the lore and the story is also remarkable. And I know a lot of people love the, the Dark Souls games. I've played a little bit of them. So I know the general kind of play style that Elden Ring has. And I'm not surprised that it won Game of the Year just based on how massive it was at release. So congrats to Elden Ring. You deserve it. Even though I, I wish Goat Simulator 3 would have won just for the memes. But bravo, Elden Ring. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's all we've got for news. We're getting up there in time already. So, Ryan, what do you say we get back into ranking the MCU, which apparently yes. worked wonders for us last time? Yes, we're going to kick into what, what you are all here for, hopefully, which is us finishing off our MCU ranking with our top 20. Daniel, I'm going to go through my list really quick and just recap where we had left off last time with my bottom 20. Yeah, so starting at right? the bottom, working your way up, right? Yep. So I will, I'll just read all mine, and then you can read all yours. So starting at the bottom, I had She-Hulk, I Am Groot, Thor The Dark World, Incredible Hulk, Captain Marvel, Iron Man 2, Thor Love and Thunder, Thor, What If, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Black Widow, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Iron Man 3, Miss Marvel, Black Panther, Captain America the First Avenger, Ant-Man, Eternals, and Doctor Strange. All right. And for some reason, uh, the list that I had just decided to close itself down. So let me get it reopened really quick. Double click. And there we go. My list from the bottom to the top is She-Hulk, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Thor The Dark World, Black Widow, Thor, Iron Man 2, What If, Incredible Hulk, I Am Groot, Black Panther, Iron Man 3, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, Captain America the First Avenger, and Hawkeye. Very respectable list. And now we are going to start with the top 20, which will include Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. So I suppose I will start with my number 20, which I have listed as Hawkeye. Um, so your Hawkeye was was the last one that we talked about last time. For me, I'm echoing many of the points that you said last time. I think Hawkeye, as a miniseries, is interesting because Hawkeye is a character that has been around for a very long time, and it's interesting to see him kind of take the spotlight for his own uh, for his own little miniseries. I think Kate Bishop was a very enjoyable and charismatic addition to the MCU. I have no problems with her. I think um, um, Haley Steinfeld played the role 
fabulously. Pizza, or Lucky the Pizza Dog, love that edition. Yelena uh, comes back, love her edition. My biggest problem with this is very, very similar with all the other Disney Plus shows. The villain, um, Kingpin, I was excited that they're bringing him back. I just don't like the way they brought him back. I think he was more, I don't want to say more cartoony than he was in the Daredevil show, but he definitely did not have the same kind of gravitas and kind of weight and heavy emotional feeling that he had behind him in Daredevil. And I think when he shows up, it was supposed to be a much bigger thing, and they kind of downplayed it, and then they presumably, quote, killed him off. We know he's not dead. He's Kingpin. He's not going to be dead. But I thought for kind of a holiday-themed show with a legacy character, I think they did fairly well. I, I enjoyed it. I liked how they tied it into the original Avengers movie and kind of incorporated some of those past beats and then the emotional kind of arc that Clint went through with, with remembering Natasha and his relationship with her. I really liked um, so overall, I thought it was a pretty fun show, and I have that at number 20. All right. Now, I will say, uh, I think that somehow my stuff got a little bit out of order, but it is what it is. So if I repeat some stuff from a couple weeks ago, don't hate me, or do. I really could not care less. Uh, so I've got Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's a perfectly good movie, uh, but it's definitely the weakest of the three Avengers movies. And uh, yeah. Four. Four Avengers movies, thank you. Um, I think that Ultron was definitely underutilized in here. I've heard rumors that he could be coming back in Armor Wars. Uh, here's hoping, because James Spader as Ultron was the perfect cast. and Fantastic. Yeah, it just... It, he had a lot of potential that got wasted. Uh, it, you know, I'll be honest, I think that was the, one of the biggest disappointments I had for What If was not having James Spader back as Ultron. Yeah, but probably cost too much money or something. I don't know. Maybe Most maybe likely. conflicting schedules. Who knows? Um, also, more team building be be between all the Avengers. That was fun. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so actually my number 19 is also Avengers Age of Ultron, so I'll just continue on where you left off. Um, as I said a couple, I don't know how many weeks ago it was that we talked about our favorite movies, but I had stated that Avengers Age of Ultron is one of my, my favorite movies, not because it's one of the best, but because of the kind of emotional connections that I have with this movie. Love you, Ryan. And while I stand by those statements in this ranking, it does not rank that high, not as high as, it, as, it, as I probably made it seem. I think this movie is entertaining. I would agree that it's the weakest of the four Avengers movies, and I think most of that attributes itself to the fact that this movie tried too much and for too long to set up other movies. Um, this this movie comes right at the tail end of Phase 2. They're setting up the, the major turning point of the Infinity Saga, which is Thanos coming and the Infinity Stones. It introduces three, I would say, three new Avengers, even though one of them gets killed off in the same movie but introduces two major players in in Vision and Wanda. They introduce um, the Mind Stone. They introduce the idea of the Avengers breaking up and the destruction of Sokovia, which leads to the Sokovia Accords, 
which leads to civil war, which leads to the Avengers being split up when Thanos comes, which leads to his victory. I think if Sokovia, if Ultron didn't happen and the Avengers stayed together, Thanos wouldn't have won. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So this movie was really the turning point of the MCU. And I think it just cracked a little bit from under the pressure. I think it tried to set up too many things. And in hindsight, we can look at this movie and say that it actually led to paying off a lot of those those plot points. But at the time of its release, it, it just didn't. And I think that has tarnished its reputation. So I find this movie um, emotional on a personal level, entertaining on a, on a literal level, but otherwise a lesser Avengers movie. So that's my number 19 Avengers Age of Ultron. Right on. Well, hey, my next movie uh, is Eternals, which I think that I put on my, uh, oh my gosh, words are so hard. I think I put Eternals lower than this, but that's where it's on my list right now. So it's what I'm going off of. Uh, Eternals was an all right movie. Wasn't anything too fabulous. It was uh, kind of dull, like you said, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, They tried to do way too much with the new characters and uh, juggling all of the plot points or whatever it was uh, it was a lot for him to do it turned out okay just it, it was an average movie the villain the what are they the, the variants the deviants. deviants the deviants were um i mean they were there definitely not memorable yeah, there was there. there was one that learned to talk i guess and uh yeah crow i believe his name was crow maybe i don't know he was played by bill skarsgård that's how I remember him. Oh, cool. He's the one who played it. Yes. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I'll just keep going, I guess. After that, I have Spider-Man Far From Home, which I think that I mentioned last or two weeks again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this list is a little <laughs> bit off. I'm not going to bother going back and trying to fix it, though, because we're in the middle of recording. How about, how about you just keep... Uh, how about you comment on the on my ranking? You know what? Yeah, let's just do that because I'm sorry, guys, but I think that from here on out, Ryan and I have pretty similar ranks. Probably. I think we're in general consensus of the top sets of the movie. So we'll just keep going with my ranking. We can both give thoughts on them. And Daniel, you can you can roast me if you think one of these movies are way too low or way too high. But in eight, 18th place, I actually have Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. All right. For this <laughs> what were you going to say? I was, no, I was just going to say, all right, that's right about where I was going to put it, too. Yeah, so I think Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, I think it was charming, it was entertaining, um, and it's definitely something that I'll come back and watch every kind of holiday season. Um, however, it, it just feels rather insignificant compared to most of the other projects that are in the top 20, I think. Most of the projects that we have yet to talk about kind of make some kind of major movement in the MCU, some kind of some kind of change or a character introduction or revelation or conflict that happens that really pushes the narrative forward. And Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special really feels like a like a like a breather. And I think it is a good kind of capstone for phase four, especially because it was such a shaky phase that I think leaving off on kind of a relaxed happy lighthearted note is a is a good play for them and i think it does set some things up for guardians of the galaxy volume three especially with the relationship between peter and the other guardians 
but overall I just find it to be a more entertaining and relaxed project compared to all the others. So that's why I have it at 18. Yeah, I'll agree with you on all that. I think that it was, I mean, it definitely set up uh, some plot points for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Mantis saying that she is Quill's sister. Uh, I'm definitely intrigued to see where that goes, if uh, Quill is going to be much more protective of her than the other Guardians at a certain point, or what's going to happen, but it, uh, I definitely think that there's going to be some ramifications for that. Also, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Cosmo the dog. Uh, in the comics, yes. in the Guardians of the Galaxy video game, it's a dude. In this version, it's a uh, it's a girl dog. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that whoever did the voicing did a great job. Uh, and yeah, Cosmo's just like my new favorite character. Just I, I just love the dogs that they're introducing, Lucky and Cosmo. It's incredibly love them both. Incredibly unlikely. I doubt it's going to happen, but I want the two of them to meet. That would be very cute. That would be very cute. Um, moving forward in 17th place, I have Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, for this movie, when it first came out, I think I enjoyed this movie more than Homecoming. But looking back and kind of comparing them side by side, I think Homecoming is the better movie. And it's also the more uh, Spider-Man movie. I think this movie um, went bigger in scale and kind of in in threat almost with Mysterio trying to become this Avengers level threat to save people from himself. Um, I think it was, I love Mysterio as a villain. I think the Spider-Man franchise has had a great track record with making wonderful villains. And I think Mysterio is on that list of greatest villains in the MCU. Um, I just think, as for a Spider-Man movie, the the idea of taking Peter and Spider-Man away from New York, which is so central to his character, seemed like a cool idea, but also in execution just made it feel less like Spider-Man and more like Spider-Man the Avenger. Night Monkey. You know? Night Monkey. So, I appreciate what it's trying to do, and it is entertaining, um, all the actors, Tom Holland, Zendaya, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, um, they all did a fantastic job with their characters and bringing it back. And that kind of end credit scene of the Skrulls being there in, in place of Nick Fury, I think that is for sure setting something something up for Secret Invasion, especially with the WandaVision end credit scene. So. Yeah, I'm very interested in how this is going to go. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think Mysterio is a great villain. I think I prefer Vulture personally, but at least between the two Spider-Man movies. Um, we'll talk about Vulture later when we get to Spider-Man Homecoming, but Quentin Beck, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, however you, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, yep. however you say his name, he did a great job. Um, I, I think that you know the way that they adapted this guy that does illusions in the comics to essentially just be a really good special effects artist brilliant i really liked it um the way that uh, he actually made peter terrified of reality beautiful uh but yeah i'll agree taking him away from new york was not necessarily the best move um it's it's like new york is almost its own character in all of the spider-man franchises it's just mm -hmm. yeah it very much is it feels weird to take away from that yeah uh yeah I don't know. I don't think I think you covered it pretty well. I don't have too much more to add. 
Yep, so then in sixth place, we'll just keep going or keep moving on. In 16th place, I put Moon Knight, which I know that Moon Knight got kind of mixed reviews. I very much enjoyed Moon Knight. I really like the psychological aspect behind the character of the different personalities. I think kind of the, the way that they left each episode off with the audience not sure where the story is going to go and which character is the real character and if reality itself is even even really real, I, I really enjoyed that. And I also really enjoyed the inclusion of all the mythology and the myths and the, and the gods. I think that's something that I, I personally am always interested in, kind of a mythology spin on things. And the fact that they brought it back for, or they're, they're leaning really into that, is fantastic. I was very excited for for this show because I love the character of Moon Knight, and I am very excited for where it's going forward. I do hope Moon Knight makes another appearance. I hope that it wasn't just kind of a one off, and then he'll appear in like five years. I hope he reappears soon. I think um, Oscar Isaac did phenomenal. His his acting for both for both Stephen and Mark was emotional and beautiful and fantastic and i loved it um i gotta say the reason why it's as low as it is and by low i mean in retrospect to the top 20 it probably would have been higher if it wasn't for the last episode um going kind of full power rangers on on us and making giant giant aspects of these gods fight over the over the pyramids it was a it was awesome to see but narratively i just find it a little bit on the lazy side and it did really kind of kind of the pace of the show switched a lot, um, especially with kind of episode five being focused on Mark and Steven in the afterlife reflecting on their on their duality and their personality. I think it was kind of a, a pace switch that kind of hindered it. Um, and there wasn't as much Moon Knight, the character, as I would have liked. There was a lot of Steven, a lot of a lot of Mark. Not as much Moon Knight. I would have loved to see more of that. I think this show would have improved with another episode or two. Um, well, that's that's yeah, a common theme I really loved for all of the Marvel shows. Except for What If, it, I guess. It is. Yeah. What If, though, is its own special case where it's it's not really a single narrative structure. It's more of a collection of ideas. So yeah. Moon Knight gets a, a pass on that one. So for Moon Knight, uh, one of the best things in the show, at least for me personally, was seeing the Stephen Grant and uh, what was the other one's name? I I forgot because I haven't. Mark Spector. Mark Spector. Seeing them kind of duke it out for uh, control over the body and also Stephen Grant figuring out that he's not the real one. Uh, yeah, it's it, 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 that whole dynamic was incredibly well handled and i'm i'm excited to see more i'm hoping that moon knight gets a season two uh also Kanchu, best character in the show loved him it was fantastic um moving forward because we are getting up in time so we're going to kind of pick up the pace with these next 15 um in 15th place i have werewolf by night um i think for the for marvel's first true like television special they really knocked it out of the park especially with michael giacchino's first directorial debut um, he did both the directing and the sound. This this sh- uh, special is very much an homage to the older classic monster movies, and you can really feel that with the black and white and the kind of cheesy effects, um, but also kind of that campy feel, but still 
keeping some of that serious thriller horror um, genre uh, um, spices thrown in there. I really like the characters. I really like the the shorter story that they they set up. Um, the characters of um, I can't think of what um, the main character's name actually is. Um, the werewolf guy. But then you have Elsa Bloodstone and Man Thing. I think all three of those are fantastic characters, and I can't wait to see them again. Hopefully, they make a reappearance in the main MCU timeline. I really hope they do, or at the very least, get some kind of TV show or movie set in this kind of darker period in the MCU timeline. Um, but as for a as for a television special, this is definitely one that I'm going to be watching every Halloween. It's spooky. It's fun. It's campy. And it's fantastic. So, yeah, Werewolf by Night, 15th place. Yeah, and as far as, like, uh, the, them showing up again, I would not be surprised at all if Marvel decides to make a Midnight Suns project. Here's hoping that that does happen. It kind of seems like they're setting it up with, you know, Werewolf by Night, Moon, uh, not, yeah, Moon Knight, um, Black Knight, his, he's going to be appearing, Blade. Blade. Yeah, signs are kind of pointing towards something like that happening. So, yeah, uh, you know what? You covered it really well. It's campy. It's got some kind of cheesy effects. It's all in black and white. Man Thing was awesome. Uh, yeah, it was an enjoyable show. Special, whatever right, you so want then, to call it. Yep, so moving on in 14th place, I have Black Panther Wakanda Forever, um, the most recent movie released just a couple weeks ago. Um, for this movie, I think, for me, um, it... Now that it's been a couple weeks since I made this this um, ranking and I've kind of digested on the movie a little bit, I still feel pretty confident in my placing of this. And I still have to give a round of applause to everyone who worked behind this movie for making the story work, especially when they had the terrible task of trying to continue a story without its lead, who has tragically passed. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. I think the, the, the story that they created in his absence is still beautiful and it's heavy and it's fitting for the world and the characters that still exist within it. I think Shuri's kind of emotional arc that she goes through between grieving for her brother and not being sure of where she fits in with with her destiny and the legacy that he left and then facing off against this this villainous character who's just trying to protect the people that he has sworn to protect and do what's right for him and his kingdom, I think was an interesting duality. I do think the um, the final battle and the kind of piece that they made is a little, little cheesy and a little bit predictable, but it's a Marvel movie, so that's kind of to be expected, a little bit of a predictability. Um, but I love the characters. I love the addition of Namor. I think uh, there was some some hesitation behind the casting and the, and the choice of of switching the culture from Atlantis to this more um, Mexican, Mayan-themed uh, culture. But as I said, I'm a big fan of mythology, so tossing in a little bit of extra mythology is always a plus in my books. And I think Tanakh Huerta, the, the actor who played Namor, did a fantastic job, and I can't wait to see him again. And uh, yeah, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, 14th place. All right. Well, hey, I will add into that a little bit. Uh, two things about Wakanda Forever that I just wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, well, I think that the actress that portrayed Riri Williams, Ironheart, 
did a phenomenal job. I think that her role in the movie was much more loose-fitting than it could have been. I think that they could have cemented her spot a little bit better than they did. It, You know, she builds this Wakanda, uh, not Wakanda, mm-hmm. this vibranium, vibranium detector. And then the government is mad at her. Uh, Atlantis, or whatever they call it, is mad at her. So they save her, and then she decides to fight alongside of them. It, it works, but it's kind of flimsy. Uh, the well, it, it it really feels like they included her because she has a show coming up, and they needed to introduce her somehow. So they just kind of tossed her in this movie to make it work, and I feel like that really kind of shows. Yeah, the other downside, believe it or not, uh, as great of a villain as Namor was, uh, a lot of the scenes he was in just felt dispassionate. It's like they didn't have all that much heart put into them. Uh, I I think that it could have just. I don't, I don't know how they could have done it, but somehow it just, it didn't feel like it, it, it I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, he did a great job, but it's, you, do you know, you, do you smell what I'm stepping yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel what you're saying. It, it feels like he, I think he would have been a great villain to go against T'Challa. I think him and T'Challa would have had a very interesting dynamic between two kings who, know that there's bigger threats out there but just really want to protect what is theirs and i think throwing shuri into the mix in replacement of t'challa really kind of changed the dynamic a little bit between what namor was and who this new black panther is and i think you can kind of feel that that dynamic change i don't know if it was always the the plan to have namor in black panther 2 and they just kept going forward with that plan, or if they implemented him after Chadwick's uh, unfortunate passing. But it does feel like Namor is a villain for a different iteration of the Black Panther than the one Shuri portrays, or that Shuri is, that um, I am blanking on the actress's name, but that she, she portrayed. So... I don't know if that's kind of what you were touching on, but that's what I was kind of picking up on. Yeah, good enough. Moving on, what's your what's the next one on, I guess, our list now? Yeah, so the next on our list is Shang-Chi at 13th place. I was pleasantly surprised by Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi. When I walked into the theater, I did not really know the character. I did not really know what story they were going to do. I knew they were bringing back the Mandarin. I knew that he has these 10 rings, which are super uber-powerful. That's about it. I knew he he was a martial arts expert, but other than the rings, didn't really have any other powers. I thought that was intriguing. That was interesting, and I was very pleasantly surprised. This this movie was was fun. The action sequences were phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, I love the dynamic between um, Shang Chi and his father. I thought as a villain, the Mandarin was imposing but emotional, and his. His motivation was much more palpable and understanding for me than someone, say, like Killmonger, whose motivation I couldn't necessarily necessarily relate to. Whereas the Mandarin, his motivation of of missing his his wife and his loved one and wanting to be reunited with her and having the temptation of being so close to getting her back and doing whatever you can, because he is a man with for hundreds of years has had all the power in the world and this is the one thing that is beyond his grasp 
grasp of power and he wants it so desperately i love that 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 uh that part of his of his character motivation i thought it was relatable i thought the character was fantastic the biggest kind of downside for me was that it falls into the typical marvel um finale issue where it was just a big kaiju monster fight big cgi spectacle with the the great is it the great devourer or or uh whatever that giant tentacle monster creature was versus the dragon i think it looked cool but it was just another one of those cgi final fights so yeah that's what i'll say about it yeah uh the whole thing every fight scene was extremely well choreographed um trevor slattery got his redemption in this movie that's all that matters uh he was great what was that dog thing's name I was just trying to think of it. Was it like more, more Morris, more, more Morris? I think it was Morris. Was it Morris? Morris was phenomenal. Loved him. Uh, he was great. He acted his heart out. Yeah, uh, all of the like gremlin type things in movies almost always become my favorites. So the things that are there more so just as comic relief or as uh, just a small addition to be like, hey, we yeah. need an ex- extra thirty seconds of runtime. We we need to sell stuffed animals. Yeah, those things are almost always my favorites. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, very well choreographed. Um, the familial relationship between Shung, uh, the other characters, the dynamic between them was great. I'm sorry that I'm blanking on their names. I'm not actually because I haven't seen this movie in like a year and a half. I should probably rewatch it. Um, yeah, it was it was very well done. Plus some of the effects, like when the the water just kind of like jumps off the walls towards them and has this like floating, oh yeah ooh that is a those water effects were very beautiful nice. shot. Uh yeah, very nice. And I think this I think this movie kind of flew under the radar because it was released during the pandemic, so a lot of people just didn't go see it. Um, I thought this movie was underrated at the time and i think it might still be underrated i think people just kind of ignore this movie because it of when it got released both in phase four and during the pandemic but definitely a movie you got to watch it was number 13 but moving forward number 12 wandavision this was the first disney plus series that got released um and i do think it's one of the best i thought a lot of people were really put off by the first couple episodes because they weren't sure what to expect. They didn't know where it was going. They were confused by the story. I was hooked immediately. I am not a fan of the older sitcoms. I don't watch them. I'm not a big sitcom guy. But I immediately got sucked in into the mystery of what, what, what is going on. What is this world? Vision is dead, but he is here. What is happening? I was very intrigued. I loved basically every moment of WandaVision up until the final episode. Which, once again common trend with marvel the finale just becomes this cgi boss battle between scarlet witch and agatha which i thought was cool but narratively seemed a little weak um i did like the inclusion of of this pseudo vision who is a a creation of wanda's grief and the interactions that they have together i thought was very very heartfelt and very emotional and the inclusion of her characters, Billy and Tommy, I thought were great. I can't wait for them to come back because I know they will. Um, Elizabeth Olsen as as the Scarlet Witch was awesome. I loved her outfit. I loved her powers. I can't wait 
because I know she's going to come back. We all know she's going to come back. She's not dead. She's going to come back, and it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see her come back. I think she did a pretty good job in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, as as we talked about two weeks ago. But yeah, WandaVision for being its first Disney Plus Marvel television show. Bravo. Very much enjoyed it. Yeah, same thing for this as a lot of other shows. Uh, definitely could have benefited from another episode. A lot of stuff seemed rushed in the last mm-hmm. one or two. Uh, also, massive throwaway on Evan Peters as Ralph Boner. Are you serious? Yeah, that that one was kind of like, okay, haha. Is that all we're gonna? They're not gonna introduce the X Men or bring them back? Or he was disgustingly underutilized. Yeah, especially for it being Evan Peters, who is a fantastic actor, and they hyped it up so much. Um, oh, and then um, Paul Bettany, his little—do you remember his little interview thing where he said he was going to be working with an actor uh, who he has dreamed of acting with forever? But then he was just referring to when he was playing against himself as as Vision against Vision. I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. That was another one of those teasing things like, ha-ha, I see what you're doing, but, like, couldn't we have gotten maybe someone else? Would have been cool. It is what it is. I thought Doctor Strange was going to show up. But, yeah, WandaVision, number 12. And then in 11th place, I have Guardians of the Galaxy. This is another movie that, at its release, I was not expecting much from from this movie i did not know who the guardians were i didn't know the team i didn't know the characters i didn't know the story i didn't even know the director james gunn at the time but it was one of those surprises that comes out of nowhere and just knocks it out of the park if it wasn't for a couple later additions to the mcu this would easily be a a top 10 movie i think even to this day it's still one of arguably you can argue that it's one of if not the funniest movie in the MCU. I think it's hilarious. It has some great moments. The characters are fantastic. Everyone knocks it out of the park acting-wise. I think a common trend with a lot of Marvel, other than the big CGI finale piece, is a lackluster villain. And this movie falls into that category of Ronan just not feeling very imposing or memorable. He is there. He is bad. He gets an Infinity Stone, and then he gets thwarted by a team-up, which is cool. It is fun. It's funny, but as far as kind of the a compelling villain goes, not as much. Yeah, it, it, it was enjoyable. Um, again, yeah, Ronan, a little bit not used to the extent that he could have been. I was actually excited to see him in Captain Marvel, and he was there for all of like 10 seconds. Um, yeah, but Captain Marvel is just a disaster in every way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, it was really cool to see these guys all go- coming together and uh, becoming a team. Uh, the the kind of awkward beginnings of a relationship between Peter and Gamora loved that. Uh, the the importance to Peter of the mixtape volume two that his mother gave him, um, and then you know him finally opening it. At- opening it at the end that was that was cinema gold right there uh yeah it's it, it's a lot of fun for a movie I, I don't know what else to say it's it, it was fun i think i think an over overlooked aspect of the guardians of the galaxy movies is that they are actually very emotional movies 
Um, they have a lot of emotional beats to them, especially in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. They have the whole uh, team up and then becoming friends and their kind of relationships. And then, of course, Groot sacrifices his life at the end, which is emotional and sad. And then in the second movie, um, the inclusion of Peter's father and the betrayal and then Yondu being that father figure for Peter and him sacrificing his self or his life for Peter is emotional. And then I'm th I am sure in the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie, there is going to be another sacrifice of a character. Probably, I have a feeling it might be Rocket. They might also might kill off Peter. Probably not Groot, because he already died once. But probably either Rocket or Groot. Not Groot. Rocket or Peter. That's neither here nor there. We are into our top 10 of the MCU. And in 10th place, I have loki i think this one does everything that wandavision did but it stuck the landing even better i think the again going into this i was a little bit questionable because loki was a character who was already dead and yet they were bringing him back for his own tv show and of course this is loki from an alternate timeline after the effects of endgame it created this branch timeline that this loki variant is on um, but the emotional journey that he goes on viewing his 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 history of what he would have lived through and how he would have died and the connections he made with his family like Thor and with his, his mother and father and his death. And then going through those revelations and then getting the chance to change his life around and then meeting his other variant Sylvie and having this pseudo asexual connection with himself but a variant of himself is a very Loki move to have I very much enjoy that little um, dynamic between the two of them and of course the finale was phenomenal for me I loved the inclusion of um, he who remains Kang the Conqueror the variant um, Jonathan Majors knocked it out of the park with his acting he was charismatic and funny yet intimidating and heavy and gravitas all at the same time i loved it i love the implications of the multiverse shattering and i can't wait for season two loki is sitting comfortably at number 10 uh yeah so adding on to that uh what's his name mobius uh the yes morbius, morbius. not morbius mobius yeah. not morbius uh, owen wilson did a fantastic job in there um so disappointed he didn't say wow wow and also the I'm fact that there wasn't a lightning mcqueen variant of him heartbreaking they could have done it too. Yeah, when, when he was driving that, like, when he was driving that, I think it was like a pizza truck or something, when he was in that weird dystopian garbage world or whatever. Oh, whatever. He could have been driving. He, he could have been driving Lightning Could have been. Should have Missed been. opportunity. Um, also, the. Maybe season two. The moment when uh, Loki realizes that he really is, you know, not in control of his destiny at this point. Uh, yeah. The moment, you know, when he finds out that they use infinity stones as paperweights and it, you can, you can see mm -hmm. it on his face. He's just, Oh, well nuts. Uh, yeah. Every, everything well that done. he thought his life was going to be just got turned upside down. And he realized that he had no purpose and there was no point to him existing outside of what he could go forward and make his life into, which I thought was a very interesting character study. Yeah, it's just it, it, very, very well-made show. Definitely, I'm also very, very excited for season two. Ninth place, Spider-Man Homecoming. Everything that Spider-Man Far From Home did, Spider-Man Homecoming just did a little bit better. 
they kept him in New York, but they didn't go the same way that um, the original Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man did. They kept him grounded. They kept him in high school. It was a more kind of a teenager high school flick with some Spider-Man thrown in. The inclusion of Iron Man, I think, at the time, I was a little worried that Iron Man and Tony Stark was going to overshadow Peter and Spider-Man, but it very much became this this charming and heartwarming father-son relationship between the two, which, of course, reflected and continue on all the way through to Tony's death and afterwards in Far From Home and No Way Home. Um, Tom Holland knocked it out of the park with Peter Parker playing a very believable teenage Peter Parker, which the two previous franchises didn't really give us. Um, the supporting cast is great. Vulture, as you have said, one of the greatest Marvel Cinematic Universe villains. He was phenomenal. Um, hopefully he'll make a reappearance. I know there was that kind of thing where he's in the Morbius end credit scene in a different timeline. Not sure how that works, but let's just, let's ignore that, and let's hope that Vulture makes a reappearance in the actual MCU. Spider-Man Homecoming, one of one of the greatest Spider-Man movies, if if not for another one that maybe we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, uh, Vulture, one of the best villains in the MCU. He's just someone that uh, is doing what he can to provide for his family after damage control comes in and kind of puts him out of work. It's definitely understandable. His distaste for Tony Stark, you know, he, he screwed the guy over. Uh, it's just a very well, very well done character. I really, really liked that. And the plot twist of making him Liz Allen's dad, that was pretty cool. Um, that was pretty cool. Didn't see that coming. Neither did I. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't rely too heavily on RDJ in this movie as uh, Iron Man. It was, from the advertisements, it seemed like he was going to be a very prominent character. But uh, no, he was kind of just there for a few minutes at the beginning and a few minutes at the end. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that's how they did it. Yeah. They really let Spider-Man hold his own in this movie. And then he only, he had Iron Man there as kind of like an emotional uh, push, kind of. So, so yeah. Very much enjoyed it. Spider-Man Homecoming, ninth place. In eighth place, we have Thor Ragnarok. Undoubtedly the best of the fourth Thor movies. It's not even a close contest. Thor Ragnarok was lightning in a bottle. Yes, I just said that pun. Um, I think, in my opinion, this is probably the funniest movie in the MCU. The Just the sheer improv and chaotic nature that they allowed Chris Hemsworth and everyone in the cast to just kind of bounce off each other and create this hilarious comedic masterpiece was fantastic. I thought even the emotional points, which emotion can very much get over or overshadowed by the comedic aspects of a movie take a look at thor love and thunder to to show you what happens if you do it incorrectly this movie did it very much correctly they had all the funny moments at the right time topped off with some true emotional pieces with thor struggling with who he is and his father dying and the kind of the relationship between him and loki kind of repairing itself just to get brought down again by Infinity War with Thanos killing Loki. But I think Thor Ragnarok is a fantastic movie. The funniest in the MCU. And yeah, Hela was a fantastic villain as well. I think her her inclusion and she really felt like a threat to Thor. It's really easy to, in a movie with such high-powered 
characters to create a villain that does not feel like they serve any real threat, and they really made Hela feel like a threat. So, props to Thor Ragnarok, you get 8th place. Uh, I'm, yeah, it's, uh, the comedy in here is a lot more understandable than it is in Thor Love and Thunder, because you can tell this is more so just a coping mechanism for him, for all of the loss that he is going through, whereas in Love and Thunder, it's just... It, it's just jokes for the sake sake of jokes. It it doesn't work as well there, but this was very mm-hmm. well done. The inclusion of Hulk made sense where the way it was the way it was done. Um, even if the character it, this this I think this is kind of where Hulk's character began to take a nosedive. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It kind of it kind of made the switch here. Yeah, it was it was still pretty. Uh, it it was a very good movie. Yeah. So moving forward in seventh place, I have. The Avengers, the first major team up in the MCU, still is one of the best movies in the MCU. The The fact that they managed to do this and take essentially three different, was it three or was it four different franchises at the time? Four, if you include the Incredible Hulk. It, four different franchises and tie them all together into one was a masterpiece in of itself. Um, I thought the character dynamics... In this movie with the six main Avengers bouncing off each other and at first butting heads and then eventually working together and then becoming the team that they had to be in order to stop a fantastic villain in Loki. I thought this movie did it all brilliantly. Um, the whole kind of final battle in New York did not feel like how some of these other finales feel with just the villain or with the hero fighting against mindless villains, even though that's what they were fighting against. It felt like there were stakes. It felt like there was emotion to it. Um, and the fact that some some lines at the beginning of the movie actually came and paid off when Captain America and Iron Man were, were arguing with each other and, and Cap made the, the, the line about Iron Man not putting his life on the line. And then Iron Man, without question, was willing to do that in this movie which was a very nice parallel to what will happen in Avengers Endgame when Iron Man does lay his life on the line for uh, to save everybody. I thought for the first major team-up, they they couldn't have done better than this movie. It's, it's a masterpiece in its own right, and yeah, it gets seventh place. Uh, yeah, and I would just like to quick say, um, technically, the Shatari aren't mindless. They share a hive well, mind. Yeah, but you know what I mean. They're like that that mindless horde of villains that you fight that that don't really have dialogue or motivation. They just kind of attack what they're told to. I attack. think I would say it, call it more so uh, faceless than mindless because they they do share a collective mind, but uh, you don't so much see them as individual characters. It's more so just a horde. Well, if they share a mind, then they don't have a mind of their own. But they're not mindless. I see. I suppose. Anyways, yeah, you covered it really well. It was all around great interactions between everyone. Uh, the tease for Thanos at the end, beautiful. Uh, I, I can't really think of anything else to add in. Uh, moving on, what's in the next place? In sixth place, I have Captain America Civil War. Um, for a Captain America movie, it, it seems like a common thread that, I, that I'm going into these movies kind of scared of what's going to happen. But I, I really was afraid that Civil War was going to become Avengers 3, essentially, especially coming right off of Avengers Age of Ultron. 
But this movie very much remains a Captain America movie while also being kind of Avengers 2.5. It kind of strikes that very even balance. The inclusion of, of Bucky and kind of the Sokovia Accords and the... Th- this is a movie that includes politics in the in the correct way. It includes politics that are not from our outside world, but rather politics from inside the world that have stakes, that have consequences, that have motivations and emotional drives behind it that impact the characters within the story. The Sokovia Accords directly affects all of the Avengers and their lives because of what they have done in the past with them being Avengers and their interactions with Ultron and the destruction of Sokovia. And it creates this really interesting dynamic where you really feel both motivations of of Team Iron Man and Team Captain America. And you can actually make arguments for both sides as to who is right. There is no true right or wrong answer. And and the the inclusion of Bucky and the and the um the friendship that that Cap and Bucky go through and then the the deterioration of the of the friendship between Bucky and or not Bucky between Cap and Iron Man are both beautiful and poetic and parallels and very much enjoy Captain America's Civil War solidly at sixth place yeah uh it's the first appearance of tom holland as spider-man too so that's always fun even though the suit fantastic the suit was entirely cg which was less than ideal but they decided to change the design at the last minute i mean him showing up in the movie was a very last minute decision so i still love that suit that he wore oh though. yeah it's i think it's a fantastic yeah, it's suit. great um yeah seeing the uh relationship between steve and tony just fall apart so quickly is uh you know it's as cheesy it might as it might sound you know because it's just the movie um it's it it is kind of heartbreaking you know seeing these characters that you grew yeah. up with uh just kind of abandon each other for one reason or another it's it's beautifully painful we'll say that yeah uh and yeah yeah so moving on we are now in the top 5 and i think honestly you can make an argument for any order with these top five. Um, I think these are all very solid movies. They are masterpieces of, of pure nerd entertainment. Um, but for the sake of this ranking, I put Captain America the Winter Soldier at fifth place. Um, I confess, I wasn't a huge Captain America fan when this movie came out. And it wasn't until a couple years later that I actually ended up seeing this movie um, in like 2015, probably in preparation for um, Civil War, which was going to come out the following year. And this movie is phenomenal. As an action thriller spy movie, top-notch. I think the undercover thriller spy aspects definitely work. Um, I think the big action superhero parts and beats of the of the movie work just as well. Um, the action, the hand-to-hand combat, the the... The action set pieces are almost unparalleled. I think the only other movie that comes close is Shang-Chi, which definitely drew inspiration, I feel, at least a little bit from this movie. The hand-to-hand combat scenes, the villain of Bucky is fantastic and threatening and menacing, but also emotional and heartbreaking once you get the reveal of who he is and the connection that that Cap still feels with Bucky. Um, Fantastic movie, fantastic characters, fantastic fantastic action, and for Joe and Anthony Russo, 
Russo to start their MCU kind of career with this movie was fantastic. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I think that I share the, uh, fifth place for Captain America. Uh, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. Um, the sort of pseudo relationship that, uh, it's not even, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, the platonic relationship, we'll say that between Steve and Natasha is very well done. It's, it's clear that they're good friends, even if it is just from work. Uh, the joking that they share, like, hey, anyone know where the Smithsonian is? I'm here to pick up a fossil. Um, it was great. Also, this movie has a line of dialogue that I have incorporated into my daily uh, conversation, I guess you could say. Uh, I only pretend to know everything. Uh, Natasha Romanoff does say that. It's a good line. It's a great line. That, that's I, a good line. I literally say it on a daily basis. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm only a, I'm just a little bit disappointed that his stealth suit only appeared for like ten minutes at the beginning of the movie and then disappeared until Avengers Endgame. It is a fantastic suit. I gotta give him props. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep keeping going though, because we're I, we're up there in time. I will say, and 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 un, an underrated portion of that movie is the music. I love the music, and actually, one of the soundtracks from that movie was in my Spotify top five. Really? So, it was. Yep, the Lumarian Star, the. Uh, the track that plays during the whole stealth okay. um, ship takeover. Fantastic piece of, of soundtrack. I mean, I'll ju- but yes, I'll just moving- say, since you brought something up, uh, the main theme from Interstellar was in my top five for Spotify wrapped. Heck yeah. Look at us nerds. Yeah. So moving forward in fourth place, Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I can't. There, it, there's not really enough time to talk about this movie in the in the scale that I want to talk about. It's fantastic pieces of superhero movies. One of the one of the greatest superhero movies. I would say it's the greatest Spider-Man movie. I know a lot of people really enjoy Spider-Man 2. I don't know. This movie for me I think I think top Spider-Man 2 especially because it has uh, the other Spider-Man in it. This movie was everything I wanted wanted it to be and more. It's as a as a nerd and as a superhero fan, this is just other than Avengers Endgame, this is probably like the most nerdy experience you could have as a superhero fan, um, and also the emotional weight of of spoiler Aunt May dying was heartbreaking, and you could feel the emotion, and you could feel the loss, and the the sense of hopelessness that Peter was going through at that time. And then to have the interaction between the two older Spider-Men who went through similar situations with Uncle Ben and them reflecting that that knowledge and that motivation to him. And for him to want to kill Goblin so much, but in the end, sparing him, even if it was with a little bit of, of help from um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, him making that choice of sparing Green Goblin and sacrificing um, everyone else's memory of him so that he could save the multiverse, which was his fault creating, was um, beautiful. And yeah, this movie, one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. So Spider-Man No Way Home, fourth Yeah, place. I'm really glad that they decided to not only include Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but to have them as such major roles in the movie. I was expecting just like a cameo towards the end, but no, they were like full-on main characters. It was it was fantastic uh mm-hmm. and seeing them all kind of talk through their issues with 
you know, Peter one, uh, our our canon Peter. Oh, they're all canon Peters. The MCU canon Peter, uh, talking about you know, uh, having the chance to stop the guy that killed Uncle Ben and then messing up and losing Gwen. It was uh, that scene is one of, if not my favorite, from the entire movie. And, and the scene where Andrew Garfield Spider Man is finally able to redeem himself oh. by catching MJ. Oh, the heartbreak! Fantastic fantastic yeah that was that was very well oh, and just and just the scenes of the three of them interacting like before the final battle or even during the battle where they kind of had that small little pep talk any scene where the three spider-men were together was fantastic yeah i really wish that there was more of that but may- maybe they'll show up in secret wars and we'll get to see more maybe maybe so yeah spider-man no way home fourth place in third place we have the og iron man yeah I mean, I think the legacy of this movie speaks for itself. It was the first movie in the MCU. It's the movie that started it all off. It was the redeeming movie for Robert Downey Jr., which kicked off his fantastic career post all of his early drama in the early 2000s. This movie is fantastic. It it serves the purpose that it was meant to serve, which was to kick off the largest cinematic franchise in history. It It's... One of those movies that I think even with time and with more inclusions will probably never lose its top top five, top ten ranking. It will just always be up there because it's always just the one of the most influential and one of the most important, but also one of the highest quality movies in the MCU. Robert Downey Jr. is he is Tony Stark. There is no other casting that you can make that is as perfect as as that one so yeah and the fact that this movie had a rough outline of the events that needed to happen and there wasn't any like actual script and it turned out as well as it did it's it's amazing yeah and well even with with later mcu movies they rely so much on the mcu being the mcu that you can if if you were to take the mcu aspect out of those movies they really kind of falter and they kind of fail. This movie, with, of course, it being the first movie in the MCU, didn't have any of that backup. It went into it alone, by itself, making a name for itself, and was super, super successful. I think this movie made like $800 million, which was huge, especially for Iron Man, the character that nobody knows. Like, they could have made, they could have made Hulk, they could have had captain america they could have had spider-man they could have had the x-men fantastic four they went with iron man brilliant choice the face of the mcu even to this day he i i just saw a poll um online the other day it was like who is your favorite superhero spider-man batman superman iron man spider-man won but iron man was second like iron man is more beloved now than batman and superman which is crazy yeah, it's um, it's one hundred percent because of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, you have to give all props to Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau for for their creation of Iron Man. It's fantastic. So, Iron Man sits very comfortably at third place, and I'm just going to say first and second place together because you can make the argument of which one deserves first, which one deserves second. I'm always flipping these back and forth depending on how nerdy or how 
how Marvel nerdy or how cinema movie nerdy I am feeling, but first and second place of uh, are, of course, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. These two movies serve as the greatest one-two conclusion to a cinematic franchise so far. I mean, you think of any any final movie in a cinem- cinematic franchise and what purpose they they served, these two movies did it just as well, if not better. I think in, in Infinity War, you had Thanos arguably being the main character, which was brilliant of them to focus on the villain. And Josh Brolin did fantastic as Thanos. He, he was menacing. He was threatening. He was a universe-level threat. And he beat the Avengers. And he did what he wanted to do and successfully snapped away half of all life in the universe, which was mind-blowing when it happened in theaters. And then for Endgame to not only bring together everybody, but to have the, the confidence to have a five-year time skip to allow that threat and that that level of 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 danger and just dread and failure to sit for five years was brilliant and daring and i loved it and the fact that they had time travel without it being like super cheesy and super problematic i think their explanation of time travel is often misunderstood in the mcu i think the way that they explain it with if you make changes it creates branch timelines was awesome and i love the conclusion i love the final battle the top five moments of my life will always be in a end game premiere with with all my friends and all my fellow nerds screaming and crying and cheering in the theater it was absolutely fantastic that those two movies together just i i don't know what else to say they're just phenomenal yeah, you covered it really well i'm just gonna say that uh, both of them are phenomenal movies it's up to you to decide which one is your personal favorite Endgame relies a lot more on nostalgia whereas infinity war i think is probably the stronger individual film yeah um but they're both so well made and so well executed it's, it's impossible for me at least to say definitively which one is my favorite because it flops so freaking often uh it, i love them both i laughed i cried and uh i really wish that i could go back in time and watch those movies for the first time again just because they were that good yeah um nor on on my ranking i have infinity war listed as first place with endgame following in second um but i generally say that uh endgame is more enjoyable but infinity war is the better movie which i stand by i think infinity war the script and the plot and the story was just tighter and uh, more more intriguing and more engaging whereas endgame was very much especially in the second half a lot of easter eggs and and uh and just giving giving the fans and the audience exactly what they wanted it was a lot of fan service which in a lot of movies can go very wrong but in this movie it was absolutely amazing and just the the noise level in in the theater when captain america finally said avengers assemble i'm still not over just, that because the guy sitting behind i can us, i can still feel the it. guy sitting behind us screamed assemble instead of steve getting to say it and i was pissed yeah, but it's it was still such an amazing moment yeah. though. Like just the entire crowd just like 
screaming and cheering that entire fight sequence was just awesome and then of course the emotional capstone of of tony sacrificing his life was terribly emotional i remember just looking over at you and you were just bawling your i eyes brought out. tissues to the theater which was the only thing that stopped me from crying was looking over and see you bawling and then i laughed <laughs> and then that 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 pushed the tears back yeah. anyways so, uh that's yeah. that's the entire that's MCU our ranking ranked. sorry that we're at like an hour and 20 minutes sorry about that uh but yeah what do you say we they're not, I'm upset. not upset what do you say we wrap up though let's let's get this all right well i'm up. gonna apologize right now if you can hear but uh they are currently plowing snow in the parking lot of my apartment and uh it's it's right outside so sorry if you can hear hear that going uh, but anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, thank you to iFi Dragons for the use of our theme song, The Geeks Will Inherit the Earth. Great song, great album. Check them out if you haven't already. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason in particular, you can email us at stttpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at smalltownnerds, spelled exactly how you would think, no spaces. I think that's all I have to say, Ryan. Um, I just first want to give a thank you to everybody who is listening. Um the past couple of weeks have been kind of crazy. If those of you who know us personally know that uh, the podcast has been doing strangely well. Um, so thank you to all of you who are listening and have been listening from the beginning. You know who you are. Thank you very, very dearly for, for every listen and follow. Um, also, give us a rating. Give us a follow. Give us a review. Send us emails. Send us comments. Do all that stuff. We really appreciate everything. And I know uh, last week we had made a comment that this was going to be the last episode of 2022. We lied both to you and to ourselves. We are actually going to do one more. We are going to record a special holiday special. Um, it will release next week as as a normal time. We're going to be talking about our favorite Christmas movies. And we're going to have the much, much heated debate of whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas Spoiler movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. It is, it is not. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. And we are going to discuss that, so stay tuned next week for our special holiday episode where we talk about all things Christmas miracle yeah, movies. Yeah, and be sure to uh, so, yeah. stay tuned to the end for some uh, some fun announcements for what to expect in the new year. Mm-hmm. Next, next episode is going to be a, well, not a big one, but a short one, but a very special one. So, yeah. So, yeah. hey, we'll see you then. Stay Thanks tuned. Thanks for listening again, and uh, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>